Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script it is saturday october 22nd 2022 i am jd from new york as always coming to you from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on this happy hour your saturday afternoons wherever you may be man this is episode 448 of the podcast today and we got a lot to go over man we got a lot to get into and today we're going to do something a little bit different, man. I got a whole bunch of news to get caught up on. I want to give you guys everything in the most precise and concise way possible. So today we're going to focus primarily on the CM Punk and Triple H news. Apparently there are big rumors going around about CM Punk potentially being bought out by AEW, the non-competes situation holding up the contract him potentially going back to wwe what wwe has said about this specific situation we're going to get into all of that plus all of your aew news and rumors today on episode 448 doing things a little bit differently than tomorrow i think we may be live at the normal time going over all 
of the WWE side of things. All the news that happened while I was away. I was on vacation for the last week. I missed a couple of live streams, got backtracked a little bit, but we're here to get you guys covered on everything. But today, like I said, primarily, we're going to focus on this CM Punk situation and everything that happened this week with that breaking news coming out of AEW. I also got news on Thunder Rosa. It looks like Thunder Rosa is getting ready to come back to AEW and defend her women's championship against Tony Storm. But apparently there are issues with Thunder Rosa in AEW. I don't want to say issues per se, but it looks like it's not good news as none of Thunder Rosa's students are getting signed or being used by AEW. That could be... Uh, Something to look out for as the weeks go on when Thunder Rosa does come back. We'll also talk Chris Jericho and him signing a new contract with AEW. Willow Nightingale is now All Elite, as made official by Tony Khan after Rampage last night on Friday. And Tony Khan wanted, wanted to let Billy Gunn go to the DX reunion on Monday Night Raw from the Barclays Center, the 25-year anniversary of D-Generation X in WWE, but he wanted one very specific thing that WWE decided, uh, no, no, we're not gonna do that for you. So I got a whole bunch of news for you right here on Off The Script. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. It's gonna be a busy day, not only for the podcast, but a busy day for me on social media. I will be live tweeting later tonight because tonight we have NXT Halloween Havoc and Triple H and Shawn Michaels hyping this thing up, man. Shawn Michaels specifically being that he is in charge of uh, NXT. He says this is going to be a major, major staple for the NXT brand going forward. And I will be covering it live on Twitter during the show. And then we will be live on YouTube after the show is over for the official post show. So make sure you guys go and check that out. The stream should already be set up for you. So go and head on over there and RSVP to the stream. I'll be live after the show is over, which should be around 10.30 or so. These NXT shows usually do not go that long, but follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below in the description. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button as well. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are rapidly approaching 139,000 subscribers on YouTube. Make sure you go check out the SmackDown post show that we did last night, that is live on the homepage, so go check that stuff out if you guys want to get uh, caught up on SmackDown. And hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try for 1,000 likes. You guys know the deal. 1,000 likes is the minimum on today's special episode 448 of Off The Script. Let's get into everything I want to talk about, man. We're going to start off with what I saw at the beginning of the week, and this was potentially good news for AEW, potentially good news for CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Elite. Now, when they suspended everybody involved in the brawl out during the media scrum after Raw out, they stripped CM Punk of the AEW world title, more so because he was injured. He was going to be out for about seven, eight months, and even if he wasn't injured, he probably would have been stripped of the title anyway. They stripped the elites of the trios championships that they won at the pay-per-view. None of them were mentioned. Tony Khan stripped them. Tony Khan crowned new champions. John Moxley won the world championship. Death Triangle won the trios championships. We were moving on. It was a new day. 
in AEW. None of them were mentioned on TV. None of them were seen in the opening graphic during the theme music of Dynamite. They were basically eradicated for the time being from all things AEW. Now it appears, it did appear, I should say, it did appear that AEW lifted the ban on mentioning or referencing CM Punk and the Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, who are on hiatus from the promotion because they are suspended. On Tuesday's special episode of Dynamite, which we will talk about here on today's show, Tony Schiavone acknowledged that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were crowned the inaugural AEW World Trios uh, champions at the All Out event before Death Triangle's title defense against the best friends on this show. There was no mention of the Elite when Death Triangle captured the vacated titles on September 7th or earlier this month when the trio defended the titles against the Dark Order on Rampage. When AEW President Tony Khan stripped CM Punk of the AEW World Heavyweight title and the Elite of the trio's championships, he did not mention any one of these individuals, but rather only the matches that would take place to crown the new champions. On Tuesday's show, Punk appeared in a video package honoring the legacy of the Ring of Honor World Championship before Chris Jericho defended the title on Tuesday against Dalton Castle. This marked Punk's first appearance on AEW TV before the backstage brawl at All Out with the Elites. Punk has been left out of video packages since the altercation at the media scrum. Khan has refrained from speaking about the altercation in interviews, I know Ariel Hawani caught major heat about throwing Tony Khan under the bus during his interview uh, a couple of weeks back and referenced that Tony Khan did not answer any questions that he had brought to the table, and it was one of the more frustrating interviews that he's done in his career, said Ariel Hawani. And the reason why Tony Khan did not answer any questions is because there is an ongoing investigation about uh, what's going on with the media scrum and the things that happened So nobody is allowed to talk about it. Now, I wanted to start off with that because it was definitely a great positive sign for things hopefully coming to an end. And maybe, maybe these individuals, Kenny Omega, Matt Nick Jackson, CM Punk, all putting aside their differences, things getting back to normal. And we wait the period out when the elite could be back on television who are very much missed. From television, they do make the show better. CM Punk, the biggest signing in the history of AEW with one of the most monumental returns in the history of this business. One of the most important returns in the history of this business and what it meant for the company. Obviously, people would like to see CM Punk back. Obviously, people are disappointed in what CM Punk did, but I do think that if the proper steps are taken then people are going to be willing enough to say, you know what, if he apologized, I'm letting or I'm willing to let things, you know, kind of just be swept under the rug and leave things in the past. I I do think that the majority of the people would be up for that. If you don't like CM Punk anyway coming into this, you're not going to like CM Punk coming out of this. So he does have his, you know, his detractors from everything that he's done in the past and how you may feel about him and his ego and his attitude But I do think that with this story, there was a lot of good news to come out of it and a lot of hope for the fans and a lot of hope for AEW. Then, then we got all the news about a buyout. Now, we heard news of a buyout 
about a month ago, month and a half ago, Wade Keller was talking about it. Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez were talking about it. Then all of a sudden, it started to heat up during the week. And this happened after Dynamite on Tuesday. CM Punk, after all of this positive news came out about, you know, Punk being mentioned on TV and, you know, all this, all this good hope that was there. Wrestling Observer noted that it looks doubtful CM Punk is going to be back and that those close to the situation claim that AEW right now are in talks with CM Punk about a potential buyout of his contract. A non-compete clause seems to be the only thing holding up moving these talks forward. There have been some other wrestlers who'd asked out of their deals who were told they could sit out with an extended non-compete but still work the indies, but they were in a much different situation than the one here with CM Punk. A contract, a contract buyout was mentioned very early in the process on those close to the situation, but as of Tuesday, following brawl out, most around Punk told us at The Observer that realistically he can't be expected back in the company. There were numerous AEW talent who said they aren't interested in working in a locker room that he's involved in again unless huge amends are made for how the night made All Elite Wrestling look in general. Since the talent meeting that took place days after All Out, the talent that was spoken to uh, who didn't expect Punk to be back and numerous operated on the assumption that he wouldn't be around again following the situation that happened at All Out. Now, Fightful spoke with WWE sources who would not comment in any official capacity on this situation, but on background provided us with some insight coming out of their camp. They said that they didn't think Vince McMahon would have brought CM Punk in, especially after what had happened at All Out and the media scrum, and noted that Fox, Fox Sports, had pushed for it to happen right before AEW signed him. If you guys remember... There was a huge push from Fox to get WWE to sign CM Punk because they had already invested billions in WWE and they wanted to ensure that Fox uh, themselves is going to be well off in their partnership with WWE and they wanted the top talent possible that was out there. They were upset that WWE let Brian go. And now with Punk working on, you know, that Fox talk show with Renee Young and Booker T and Paige at the time, and him going out there and kind of opening the door potentially for a comeback, Fox is like, well, if he's out there and he's willing to talk, if he's gone out there and stated that, listen, I will talk to anybody. Just present me with something. Come and talk to me. I'm willing to come and talk to you. WWE never even made an attempt to go out there and talk to CM Punk, and they let him basically go and wait it out. And then when the time came, he signed with AEW. Fox pushed for it to happen. WWE did not want it to happen. I don't know who specifically in the company uh, didn't want it to happen, but they never let it happen. So the line of thinking was that if this was presented under Triple H's regime, the talks of CM Punk potentially being back would have to be the right situation. The money would have to be right. The right creative would need to be for CM Punk, for WWE to allow CM Punk back into the company. Anything within reason could leave the door open for a CM Punk return to the company. One source stated that Triple H wants to be a success 
and make compelling programming more than anything. CM Punk back in WWE is compelling programming, but I can't see it being a full-time deal like what he had in AEW because of exactly what happened in AEW. That's even if he has any interest in going to WWE. If he gets a buyout, he may not need to work ever again as he will be handsomely paid for the rest of his time on his current AEW contract. Nobody from CM Punk's side or AEW officially have confirmed or denied anything, and word from AEW offices regarding this situation has been completely silent since it happened. The company hasn't even actually confirmed that suspension happened, despite us knowing that the suspension is true, says Feifel. Regarding how the AEW locker room views CM Punk, the sentiment towards Punk was largely negative, says Dave Meltzer. Meltzer wrote, and I quote, the sentiment of those in AEW amongst most talents, not all the talent, most of the talent, was decidedly anti-punk between the television promo on Page, who was overall very popular with the talent, the scrum where he said Page had never done anything in the business, which was taken as saying AEW means nothing in pro wrestling, end quote. And then obviously one thing led to another as he's there eating fucking Mindy's Bakery. He goes back into the locker room and then things blow up and then you have what is now being known as the brawl out at All Out. I, I read these, these reports about CM Punk. You know, the one thing I really am hanging on is if you listen to Tony Khan's interview, I believe it was with Ariel Hawani. He mentioned that CM Punk is in an office position. He mentioned, I don't know if this was a slip of the tongue or if he had thrown that out there for people to really hang on to, but I don't know why he would say it if it wasn't legitimately a fact. Why are you bringing that type of information to an interview, a high-level interview with Ariel Hawani, and mentioning CM Punk having an office job or an office position? Is he one of the EVPs in the company? Is he a low-key EVP without us, the public, knowing that he's a low-key EVP? I don't know, but that was stated. It was stated by Tony Khan himself that CM Punk is holding an office position within All Elite Wrestling. If you go back to listen to what CM Punk stated in the media scrum before things blew up at All Out, he said himself he's trying to run a business, but he's running around with fucking children. The locker room is acting like fucking children. I'm here to make money, and I'm here to run a fucking business, he says. So if you go back and listen to what CM Punk said there at the media scrum, and then you listen to Tony Khan at the time he had been interviewed by Ariel Hawani, where he mentioned that CM Punk potentially has an office position. I mean, one goes with the other. We could be legitimately looking at something that should not be pertinent information out there in the general public. So I I want you guys to be very well aware of that aspect, number one. Number two, I don't really understand, and, and, and I mean this wholeheartedly, CM Punk had the biggest return of the entire year. You know, I see geeks online already comparing, oh, Bray Wyatt had a bigger return, and Bray Wyatt had a better return, and Cody Rhodes had a better return, and this and that, and they're comparing fucking returns. In a, in a year where this has been the most tumultuous, most unexpected, unpredictable year of pro wrestling that I could ever remember being a part of, where 
Cody Rhodes made his triumphant return to the WWE. Bray Wyatt is back in the WWE. CM Punk came back last year and made a big splash on AEW this year, winning the world championship not once but twice, right? Vince McMahon retiring from the fucking business. I don't understand why people are comparing happenings this year. Just let it be. I mean, this is a transcending year for the entire sport and the entire industry. It's sad to look at CM Punk come back last year, have the most triumphant return of any pro wrestler that would probably be alive in our lifetime. After all this time away, the motivational words that he brought to Chicago when he came back, the reaction that he had in front of 19,000 people in the United Center, the hope that everybody put on CM Punk to lead AEW into the future, to be the face of the company, to give us dream matches that we only could even replicate in, in a video game. Never mind fucking thinking about it happening in real life with him being away. The only way that these matches and these dream fantasies would become a reality is in, in a fucking virtual video game. It was legitimately on the table as being a reality. Omega versus Punk. Omega, or Punk versus Omega, rather. Punk versus Brian. Punk versus everybody. Anybody that you had a desire to see him wrestle in AEW, it quickly became a reality. I don't understand how that man sits at home right now thinking about his entire year from where it started last August with the first dance to where it is now. And realistically, the entire thing, the entire reason why this got started was because of fucking Colt Cabana. The entire thing got started over Colt Cabana. News and rumor leaking to the dirt sheets, punk getting upset, and workers' rights, all regarding, all revolving around Colt Cabana. I think Colt Cabana's great, but I'm not going to let fucking Colt Cabana ruin what is the most monumental return in the history of the fucking sport. One of the most monumental happenings in all of pro wrestling ever, especially for a startup company like AEW, the entire situation got started because of fucking Colt Cabana. I can't wrap my head around that. This man let his feelings get in the way of his return being the most influential fucking part of AEW history. It went from being the most monumental happening in AEW history to the most disastrous happening in AEW history. And now people are saying, well, good, goodbye. People are saying AEW doesn't need CM Punk, which I find funny, which I find funny. I don't think AEW needs CM Punk. I mean, nothing has really changed with Punk being gone. Is Punk going to come back and add to what AEW has done? Is Punk going to come back and add to the ratings? Is Punk going to come back and add to the quality of television? Tony Khan has shown us that he can book an AEW pro wrestling show without CM Punk. The fans obviously enjoy the product without CM Punk. I'll get into that in a second. But CM Punk, though he does add a lot of positive to the company, CM Punk, at the end of the day, adds a lot more negative than he does positive. And the one glaring negative about all of this is the fact that his ego is still as bad, if not worse, than it was then. It's ridiculous. This man has let his feelings about Colt Cabana, 
And all the, even the elite, I'm not, I'm not blaming just CM Punk. I'm blaming Matt Nick Jackson. I'm blaming Kenny Omega. I'm blaming uh, at an extent, not fully Adam Page. They let one of the most important things in the history of this business for AEW to get ruined because of Colt Cabana. Just let that sink in. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know how CM Punk comes back. I don't. Do I want him back? Deep down, I want him back. Deep down, I wish at the end of the day, everybody involved talks it out and realizes that this is going to be the best thing for AEW if things can get settled. But their feelings are their feelings. Nobody can really tell them how to feel. It's a shit situation. And at the end of the day, if nothing gets resolved, I don't think people are going to really respect Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, Adam Page to an extent at the end of the day. Nobody's going to respect CM Punk. They're going to let their feelings get in the way of all that could potentially be good here. And they're going to look different in the fans' eyes. The fans are not going to look at them the same. Their egos got in the way of making AEW a top-tier company in this industry. They're never going to overtake WWE. But their, their, their credibility has taken a hit. Tony Khan's credibility, AEW's credibility has taken a hit because of what had happened with this CM Punk situation. And Tony Khan is to blame, too. I'm not leaving him out at all. Tony Khan is absolutely to blame. If Tony Khan was a boss and a real leader instead of being, and, and I don't want to use the term Mark because at the end of the day, we're all Marks. At the end of the day, he, he presented himself more as a fan, a friend, than a leader and a boss. And he let this blow into what it did, blow up into what it did. And I don't think a lot of people are going to look at anybody here, and I have a lot of people that I know that don't look at AEW the same way because of what had happened with CM Punk, the Elite, and Adam Page and Tony Khan at the All Out Media Scrum. A lot of people don't look at the company the same way. And it's sad. It really is. They could make money off of this, but they will not want to because of their fucking egos. They are not putting the best interests of AEW at heart. They're putting the best interests of Matt, Nick, Kenny Omega, and CM Punk and Adam Page at heart first. And that, to me, is wrong. So if Tony Khan does end up buying out CM Punk's contract, CM Punk, to me, is never going to get another chance to do what he did for AEW ever again. He won't. If he goes back to WWE, it will be a shell of what it was under Tony Khan and in AEW. He's got to look at himself as a fucking embarrassment at the end of all of this. He came in as the white knight of AEW. They gave him the fucking red carpet 
for AEW to come on in and be their fucking saving grace, giving him some of the best matches in the company, giving him pick of the litter on talent that he wants to work with, giving him not one but two title reigns at the end of all of this, instantly coming on in and being the fucking face of that company, and he wiped it all away. And because of what Tony Khan did for CM Punk, everybody else got fucking jealous. And, I'm, and I mean the elite got jealous because they weren't the center of attention anymore. This is our company. This is our brainchild with the backing of Tony Khan. And then CM Punk comes in and is automatically the number one guy in the company. They're not here for the betterment of AEW. They let their dream get flushed down the toilet because of their fucking jealousy for CM Punk. And they chose their friend, Colt Cabana, over the, better, the, the betterment and the future of AEW, which is fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Is Tony Khan going to buy out a uh, CM Punk's AEW contract? I don't think CM Punk comes back. I wish he would. I wish he would. I, I, I would hope to see him back and everybody just, you know, sit it out and say, I'm sorry, own up to it, make it into a storyline. It could be the biggest storyline in pro wrestling history, if they want to make it into a storyline. If Tony Khan buys out CM Punk's contract, now the rumor is that he could potentially be going back to WWE. I don't see that happening. I don't know who would want this man in their locker room. I I don't know. You know, that's going to be a very difficult thing for CM Punk to fucking, you know, bear if he goes back to WWE, how all of the veterans in that locker room that have worked with him at some point in the past in WWE that are still there, and all the young kids that have looked up to him that saw this situation, it is going to be a very, very difficult situation for CM Punk to walk into that fucking locker room, swallow his pride, realize what he did with AEW at the all-out scrum, swallow his pride, and say, you know what, I fucked up. I fucked up. And it's going to be a very difficult situation for him to walk in there and be amongst those people. They're going to look at him in a very different way. If they hated him before, they are certainly not going to like him when he goes back there. How is he going to sit amongst that locker room with those people who obviously are locker room leaders and know what it takes to have a harmonious locker room and how a locker room should be and how the business should be treated? CM Punk goes to AEW's locker room and did what he did. You expect him to walk and be welcomed back into the WWE locker room? I don't know if he's going to be able to handle that. With his fucking ego, he couldn't handle being in the AEW locker room. How is he going to handle being amongst all of those people that he knows are not going to accept him in the WWE again? So just based off that, I don't see him going to the WWE. We could sit here and say Triple H wants to make money, the creative's right, if the money's right. You know, I could see Triple H wanting CM Punk and saying, guys, listen, I'm going to bring Punk in. It's, it's strictly business. I could see Triple H bringing in CM Punk just to say, fuck you to Tony Khan. You don't think Triple H is sitting there ready and waiting to fucking bury Tony Khan? He, I guarantee you Triple H blames Tony Khan for ruining NXT and ruining what he did with black and gold. Meanwhile, the only thing that really ruined NXT was Vince McMahon. I, Triple H should not be blaming Tony Khan for AEW. Triple H should really be blaming Vince McMahon for everything that happened with NXT and AEW and the reason why he got fucking kicked out of power. Triple H would absolutely love to have CM Punk for one reason, one reason only, and that would be a fuck you to Tony Khan and AEW. It would be a huge, monumental blow to All Elite Wrestling. 
Do I think that's going to happen? No. But stranger things have happened. I mean, we could sit here. I guarantee you that nobody had on their wrestling scorecard at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I see Vince McMahon retiring this year. No, no, no. Nobody had that. Nobody had that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, no, it's not going to happen for sure. Never say never. You never know what's going to happen in the world of professional wrestling. It's one of the most unpredictable sports in the entire world. So we could realistically see at some point when things settle down, but he's going to be a little bit older and a little bit slower and a little bit more banged up and a little bit more injury prone. We, we could see him eventually go to WWE and wrestle an Edge-like schedule or Brock Lesnar-like schedule being used at some of the major shows only and not on TV every single week. I could see it happen, but do I think it's going to happen? No, there are so many other variables out there that I just don't see, you know, falling into place for CM Punk to go back to WWE. The non-compete is something that a lot of people are talking about being the holdup. A lot of people are blaming AEW. Why do you need a non-compete for CM Punk? At this point, do you trust CM Punk at all? This man was welcomed into the company with open arms. And this guy did what he did for himself. He let his feelings get the best of him. And he put himself first before he put uh, the company first. So you mean to tell me that people are out there actually upset that Tony Khan is, you know, holding this up and not letting CM Punk go and not buying out his contract. And they're complaining that there's a fucking non-compete. You brought this guy in to do one job and one job only, and that is to make AEW a credible fucking name in this business that is going to attract advertisers and wrestlers from all over the world who want to work in that locker room and to build AEW as a fucking presence, a strong presence, a strong number two under WWE, and they did not achieve that with CM Punk. So he was trusted to come on in and do all this for Tony Khan. Now you're blaming Tony Khan and fucking criticizing Tony Khan for wanting a non-compete for CM Punk? I wouldn't trust this fucking guy as far as I could fucking throw him. It's ridiculous. You don't think this guy's gonna jump? CM Punk is the type of guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. You don't think CM Punk, for the fucking quick buck, the easy buck, the mega millions that he would make with WWE, you don't think he'd leave Tony Khan in the dust to go sign with WWE if they really did want him? I don't know. I wouldn't trust CM Punk if I'm Tony Khan. That non-compete's going to be a very, very long non-compete. I'll pay you to sit at home. I don't want you to go over there because I know exactly what the fuck is going to happen. And I don't want all that bad karma and I don't want all that bad press and publicity to come back to AEW. Who would want that? Who would want that? You cannot trust anybody in this business. Everybody is out for themselves. Just look at the Carl Anderson situation. Carl Anderson was still contracted to New Japan Pro Wrestling with a fucking never open weight championship. And he goes and willingly signs with WWE holding one of IW, uh, New Japan's pro wrestling titles. The IWGP never open weight championship. Now the president of New Japan is furious about what Carl Anderson did to New Japan. And rightfully so. You can't trust anybody in this business. They are all out for themselves. Punk was out for himself and the elite was out for themselves, right? They let their egos and their fucking, their jealousy get in the way of all this. It, it is such a messy, messy situation. So I don't blame Tony Khan at all for holding this up. He's injured. He's not going anywhere. So he's got, a, a, he's got several months to talk about a potential buyout and to come up with a 
reason and a solution for the non-compete and however long he wants to have CM Punk under uh, lock and key to AEW via a non-compete. This all could have been avoided. Every bit of this could have been avoided if Tony Khan was actually a fucking boss instead of a friend. This all could have been avoided if Tony Khan was a leader and he stopped the scrum. And I love how people, oh, he couldn't have stopped the scrum. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't. I don't. This is going to be a true, if this is all true, this is going to be a tremendous situation. And I want, you to, I want you to physically see the growth of Tony Khan from when this happened to what we are hearing now. Tony Khan should have stopped this, not even at the scrum. He should have stopped it when fucking Adam Page went off the script in his fucking promo talking about workers' rights. That's when it should have stopped. He should have talked to Punk. He should have talked to Page then and deaded it then. He didn't. He let it fester and he let that fucking, that, that bruise and that cut just fucking continue to seep out more and more poison. And he didn't do anything about it. Punk was out, broke his foot, comes back. The first thing he does, he's, go, he's going into business for himself. Cutting a fucking promo on Page. Tony Khan stopped it then. It shouldn't have been a fucking thing, but he didn't. Sam Punk comes back the first night that he is back after breaking his foot. He goes right after CM Punk, and he has nothing to do with anything that Punk is going to be doing going into the pay-per-view. Mentioning Adam Page in a fucking promo that has nothing to do about Adam Page. I would have talked to Punk then. And then he gives him an open fucking microphone at the post-show scrum at All Out, and things just get blown out of proportion. And he did nothing but run through the gambit of fucking expressions that a human being could emit. He went through fucking every human emotion sitting right then and there and did nothing while CM Punk buried the fucking locker room, buried the company, buried Tony Khan, the fucking boss who signs the paychecks, all while eating a fucking muffin. Comically. I don't know how you are a CM Punk fan and you are not disappointed. If you are a lifelong CM Punk fan about this, you, are, you, you should be fucking, you should be pissed. You should be pissed. If you're an AEW fan, you should be pissed at AEW. You should be pissed at Tony Khan. You should be pissed at the fucking elites and everybody that is involved in this thing. But I want you to see the potential of growth here for Tony Khan. There are other stories that I'm going to read to you today that really offer the growth of Tony Khan. Tony Khan did nothing at all out. Tony Khan now is potentially sitting down letting the biggest signing in the history of any company go because of what had happened here. He is now set to make an example, and he's now kind of sitting there, and he's let things settle, and he's come to the realization that I would rather have a harmonious locker room. I want to get this company back to what brought it to its popularity. I want to, I want to bring this company back to the, the foundation, to the roots of why we were here. That did not include a CM Punk. That did not include any WWE ex-talent that may have been released by Vince McMahon that were once loyal soldiers to Paul Levesque. This is showing the potential for growth via Tony Khan. He is sitting down, potentially talking about buying out CM Punk's contract and letting him go, knowing what that man could potentially mean monetarily to the company, ratings-wise for AEW Dynamite. CM Punk is going to be made out of an example. He's going to be made an example. And if he lets CM Punk go, it should serve as a huge wake-up call to the rest of that locker room. 
it doesn't matter who you are. Tony Khan is saying, I don't give a fuck who you are. If you do something like this or, or anything in the realm of what CM Punk did here, it doesn't have to be to this extreme. But if you get out of line like this in any way, shape, or form, you will be let go. And the punishment is going to fit the crime. So if everybody in that locker room is looking at Tony Khan strategically get rid of CM Punk, nobody is safe in this company. Absolutely nobody. And that's a beautiful thing because that is the, that is the mentality he needs to have as a leader. And I honestly hope, and I don't know if this is going to be the case. A lot of people are asking where, where Andrade is and where Miro is and all these ex-WWE guys. Tony Khan has a bloated roster. He's not even using the fucking guys that should be on TV every single week. FTR, Wardlow, and guys like that. But it honestly should serve as a wake-up call as well to Tony Khan that He's got all these, these talented performers in the company, a lot of which have worked at one point or another with Paul Levesque. He doesn't need the ex-WWE guys. He doesn't need to go out and bring in an ex-WWE talent. If they're a guy like Daniel Bryan, fine. You're going to bring in somebody like him. He's going to be Bryan Danielson for AEW, and he's going to serve as a fucking locker room leader like we know he is. That is the type of sign you're going to go out and bring on in. Adam Cole, same thing. Guys like that. You're going to bring in everybody that was let go under the black and gold banner. You're going to let them sit. And now you are where you are with them. And most want to go back to WWE because Triple H is in charge now. You don't need that. Now, obviously, obviously they're great talent. But to me, you know, when you start bringing in everybody that's an ex-WWE guy, you are clearly moving on away from what brought AEW to be special. You're moving on away from what brought AEW to the dance. I think a lot of fans became disenfranchised with the company and what the show was putting out because if you bring in an ex-WWE guys, if I want to watch WWE, I could go watch WWE. I want to watch AEW because it was an alternative. I wanted to watch AEW because it presented us television that you would see on Wednesdays with guys that you don't really know about, that they were building up through their ranks, that they themselves were making into household names, that they themselves... We're making into superstars. And they quickly moved away from that, bringing in the Coles and the Andrades and the Miros and the Blacks and everybody else that you could possibly think, the Keith Lees and the Swerves and all this other shit. Why are the acclaimed so old? Because the acclaimed are homegrown talent. That's a great example of what Tony Khan needs to start doing. I'm not saying you can't hire any WWE talent, but pick of the litter is key here. Quality over quantity. That's what needs to be, and that's why I feel like AEW kind of fell flat for a good portion of 2022. But Tony Khan is clearly moving on and making his presence known. This is going to be a huge test. Still, he's not out of the woods yet. If he lets CM Punk go and there is a buyout, then this is a huge uh, setting stone, huge example for AEW that, listen, I don't give a fuck who you are. You are not going to fuck up if you do. I let CM Punk go. What do you think that I'm going to do to you? But at the end of the day, how ridiculous is this that CM Punk is sitting at home? I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would love to be, you know, inside his mind for just a, a, a good second to see what that man is thinking and how that man is feeling. How he came in and how he sees his run end up now. The disappointment that it ended up being with the injuries, you know, being a... 
a, a, a huge part in that. And then all the fucking drama and the ego and the bullshit that came along with it. What is that man thinking? Realistically, at the end of the day, it was all because of feelings hurt over Colt Cabana. I find that incredibly ridiculous to even be mentioning here as to what ruined CM Punk's fucking monumental return to the pro wrestling industry? What ruined CM Punk's stance and status in AEW? Feelings hurt over Colt Cabana. It is absolutely ridiculous to even think about. Honestly. I will keep you guys updated on all of this, but as far as him going back to WWE, listen, it ain't happening. And I see a lot of people already quickly deleting their tweets. You know, all the people that said, oh, Phil sucks, Phil is old, Phil is injury prone. These are all WWE super fans, bot accounts, and fucking half-witted retards online that don't know any better. They're all quickly deleting their CM Punk tweets because at first chance when Punk, if Punk goes back to WWE, they'll be the first fucking people to praise CM Punk back in WWE working in the Paul Levesque administration. Meanwhile, they blasted him and did nothing but scold him while he worked for Tony Khan. It's going to be a very interesting situation to follow. I already see, I already hear people deleting their fucking tweets, going back in their Twitter or timelines and deleting all their tweets, all the negative shit they said about CM Punk. It's a fucking shit show in the community, man. It really is. But I will keep you guys updated on this situation. I don't think he's going back over there. And if he does, it ain't going to be for a very long time. And the older that Phil Brooks does get, the less valuable Phil Brooks is going to be for WWE. You think he's want to? You, you think he wants to go back out there and wrestle, being injury prone now? Wrestle three years from now while he's forty five years old, or however old he is? You think Paul Levesque's going to be willing to sign him for big money? The older he gets, the less money he's going to make. It's going to be something we're going to have to monitor. I, I monitor. I don't think he's going to end up going back to WWE. But stranger things have happened. I really do wish. At the end of the day, my heart of hearts says I wish everybody in AEW would work things out. And things would get back to normal. And he apologizes and lets his ego fucking go. Leaves that shit at the door and makes this shit into a storyline. It could be monumental. Could be a huge moneymaker for, for AEW. If done right. He could make more money now than he did first coming on into the company. If he simply owns up to it. Be a man and apologize. And sweep this shit under the rug. And work. I'm not saying you have to like these guys. But work with them and make money, and make AEW into a huge threat for WWE. And again, finally, this is the last thing I'll say. Everything that anybody ever said about WWE and CM Punk, and how CM Punk blasted WWE in the past for all the negativity and all the wrongdoings that Phil Brooks said WWE did to him. Looking at CM Punk's attitude here and his ego and his stance on everything and the fact that the locker room doesn't want him there and the locker room, some people while he was there didn't even want him there when he was there, working the full-time schedule, not injured yet. Looking back at it, you know, CM Punk is going to really kind of swing the tide of what people think looking back at the annals of history, swing the tide of how people now interpret the story. How wrong was WWE? How wrong was WWE in letting CM Punk go and treating CM Punk the way that they did? Was it WWE's fault or at the end of the day, was it really more so CM Punk's fault why his relationship with WWE was tarnished? 
if he did what he did in, in AEW and was willing to fucking bury the locker room and throw everybody in the locker room under the bus and bury his fucking boss while he sat right next to him, burying the entire fucking company, making this into a PR nightmare, making AEW look like a fucking minor league promotion, how do you think that makes CM Punk look now coming out of all the WWE stories that we heard throughout the years? Doesn't really paint WWE in such a bad light anymore if CM Punk did the same thing with AEW that he did in WWE. I don't know. I don't know. I think we need a cleansing of Phil Brooks once again. I honestly think CM Punk and AEW, the best thing for them to do is split. And Tony Khan has obviously showed that he could book television without CM Punk. The fans are still enjoying the product just as much without CM Punk than they did with CM Punk. I'm not saying he can't be a pivotal aspect to the company and to the show, but does CM Punk really offer that much of a difference for AEW programming, maybe in the advertising, maybe in TNT and Warner Media and those aspects, but does he offer such a huge glaring difference to the overall television show? I don't think so. It may be better if AEW is without CM Punk. Ace Steel, one of the men in this entire situation, apparently was fired. Ace Steel was fired by AEW. They released him. Ace Steel now confirmed to be fired by AEW. Recently sent out an interesting photo on his Instagram. And he tweets, or on Instagram, he puts this on social media. Steel seemingly alluded to things not ringing true as he shared a photo, as you see here, of Macho Man Randy Savage famously confronting Hulk Hogan backstage. He captioned the post with, False accusations running wild, brother. So what does Ace Steel imply here? What is Ace Steel trying to tell us? That he didn't bite another human being? That everybody that said everything about Ace Steel being involved here and biting Kenny Omega and all this other shit is false accusations? I don't really get where he's coming from. We've seen Kenny Omega on several occasions promoting the AEW Fight Forever video game with bite marks on his fucking arm. So please tell me where the fucking bite marks came from, because clearly it wasn't Larry, CM Punk's dog, as he was being escorted out of the room because of safety precautions. Who bit, who bit Kenny Omega? Or is he telling us that, oh, he really wasn't released from AEW? What is it? You know, he would look better if he actually owned up to the, when he's able to speak about it. And able to talk about it and mention it on social media, he, he would look a lot better if he actually came out and said, yeah, I did bite Kenny Omega and I was involved in the fucking brawl. I apologize. I did wrong. I fucked up. Instead of going out there and denying everything that he didn't bite Kenny Omega and he didn't get involved in the fight. False accusations running wild, brother. Ace Steel was as good as gone from the very first day we heard this story. As soon as his name was involved, getting into a backstage altercation with an EVP, he was done then. I don't really understand the backtracking here. Oh, false accusations. Give me a break. Ace Steel is gone, and he was as good as gone as soon as this story broke. Give me a break with this shit. Switch gears to Adam Page. Adam Page on Dynamite. World Championship match with John Moxley. It was going very well until the, I would say, around seven minutes before the top of the hours, around 9.52, 9.53 on Dynamite, and the match came to a screeching halt. Adam Page suffered what is believed to be a concussion. 
on the October 18th, 2022 episode of AEW Dynamite in his match against John Moxley. I did watch this clip several times. I did see what had happened. Even though I was on vacation, I was trying to be caught up on everything. I seen the entire MJF promo segment, which I'll talk about in a second with William Regal. I saw this with Adam Page and John Moxley. At first glance, I said it was not the landing. The landing looked bad because at that point, I think he was knocked out. He didn't get a full rotation on it because he was knocked the fuck out. I do think that Adam Page was knocked out via the clothesline and then obviously could not make the full rotation and the landing on his head looked a lot worse because at that point, like I said, he was knocked out. Page was stretched out from the ring following evaluation by AEW Dr. Michael Sampson. AEW would later uh, issue a statement that Adam Page was diagnosed with a concussion after being taken to a trauma center in Cincinnati. Uh, And Dave Meltzer did issue an update on Page's condition on Twitter. Page is doing fine. Before that, he said AEW released that Page was discharged from the hospital. Meltzer issued another update that Page is feeling all right and is very appreciative of how everyone in the company handled the situation. Shit's going to happen. Shit's going to happen. What I find to be fucked up is, and this is not on Moxley or or Adam Page, we see the most daring and the most death-defying fucking acts in AEW. We see a lot of apron spots, a lot of destroyers, a lot of fucking top rope shit landed on people's heads and pile drivers and all this other crazy fucking shit, uh, a.k.a. a Sammy Guevara match. But it's always the simplest fucking shit that ends up hurting people, man. You know, it's crazy. Every time Paige, and I don't know if anybody else feels this same way about it, but every time Paige goes up and does a moonsault, I think he's going to fucking break a knee or twist a knee or fucking tear a ligament. He goes up and does a moonsault earlier before this spot, and he does it and nails it beautifully every single fucking time. But it's the clothesline by John Moxley that he's done a thousand fucking times to everybody else before this, and it's the one thing that knocks Paige out. Now, I know a lot of people are claiming that they want Moxley's head and Moxley's to blame and this and Fuck off, okay? Fuck off. Moxley is never out there going to intentionally want to injure somebody when he just signed the new five-year fucking contract and he's the ace of the company and deemed the locker room fucking leader behind AEW's doors. Give me a fucking break with that shit. He's not out there to intentionally hurt anybody. It is a fucking contact sport. They risk their lives every single night they get in that ring and the simplest things could lead to a fucking disaster. Give me a break with this shit. Accidents happen, and that's exactly what it was. But I do think that Page was knocked out on the impact of the clothesline. He got caught right underneath the chin. Moxley had uh, a little bit too much on the clothesline, and that's what led to Page getting knocked out. He is okay, and he's going to be doing fine. I'm sure they'll continue having him go through concussion protocol, and Page will be back when he's ready. This is not the first time that he's been knocked senseless or knocked dizzy, okay? And I'm sure this is not the last time that Moxley's going to knock somebody out by accident. Shit happens. Adam Page is all right, and that's the most important thing. And if they want to do another match, another rematch, because this one was stopped, listen, take my fucking money. There's nobody that should be sitting here complaining, oh, we're getting another Adam Page-John Moxley match, if it does come down to that, because I do think Moxley's going to end up losing the title to MJF. But if they want to go out there and have another match, fine. I'm ready and willing to see it happen. As long as Adam Page is all right, which Dave Meltzer says he is feeling all right and on the road to recovery. Moving on. 
Tony Khan, he wanted AEW to be mentioned on WWE TV for Billy Gunn to appear on the DX 25-year reunion Raw special. Now, Billy Gunn almost appeared on Monday Night Raw as an AEW wrestler the same night a New Japan Pro Wrestling champion and Carl Anderson returned to WWE while holding one of their fucking championship belts. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer noted that Tony Khan specifically wanted that Billy Gunn is mentioned with an AEW graphic next to his name. So Tony Khan said, yeah, you could use Billy Gunn for the DX Raw reunion, but he needs to have on TV mentioned that he works for AEW, and then Tony Khan would allow him to appear on WWE programming. Now, the last time that this actually happened, I don't remember when it was, but I do I do remember. I, I think it was the Jericho podcast on Stone Cold's uh, uh, podcast, right, uh, on the WWE Network. The, the, the last time that that happened, and Jericho, a contracted face of the company, working for AEW, the last time that an AEW talent like that Worked a WWE show. Now, this isn't Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. It's Stone Cold's fucking podcast on the WWE Network. The next show that Dynamite had the following week, it was one of the biggest ratings that the company has done for Dynamite because of that show. Oh, Jericho works for AEW. I never heard of AEW. I wasn't sure where AEW was or Jericho working there. Let me go check them out. So that's exactly what happened. And WWE didn't want that to happen again. If they mentioned that Billy Gunn works for AEW or Monday Night Raw is drawing their largest rating in the last fucking 10 years, you don't want your audience to go watch AEW. Oh, look at what Billy Gunn is doing right now. He's more over than any other point besides DX in his fucking career with Scissor Me Daddy S. He's got this cool thing going with the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. You don't want people to get caught up on that if they don't know what the fuck is going on. Then you've made a new fan. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and everybody else in charge are not fucking stupid. They're not going to allow that to happen. But Tony Khan had the balls enough, which I appreciate. I respect. I'll let you use him. But he's got to be mentioned as an AEW talent on Monday Night Raw. WWE dragged their feet on making this happen. Then the appearance was next, obviously. Fightful's reporting that the night that WWE had, you know, talked about this, they at least tossed around the idea of Billy Gunn coming in but it got, it got much farther than that. Fightful was told that WWE had went as far as to prepare travel in Billy Gunn's name, thinking that this was a real possibility. One of the possible solutions, we're told, was a lower third graphic with an AEW logo, but WWE didn't seem too keen on making this a reality. Now, again, I gotta, I gotta appreciate and I gotta respect Tony Khan's game for this, but a lot of people are asking, well, why didn't... Why didn't Tony Khan allow Billy Gunn to just go on Monday Night Raw? Harmless Billy Gunn, who's got nothing really to do with AEW television outside of being, you know, there with the acclaimed. He's not really a top-tier talent. He's not, you know, a, a difference maker in the ratings and whatnot. But Tony Khan did not allow Billy Gunn to go over that. People were claiming and asking why, 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 why. There's a, there's a real reason as to why Tony Khan was not receptive or as receptive to this as he would have been maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago. Tony Khan specifically said, and if I could find the clip, I'll put it in, I'll put it in the, the podcast. Tony Khan mentioned that the last time he saw Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, or at least had interaction with Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, that they gave him a very, very, very cold shoulder. 
Before he started AEW up, he documented that, you know, Triple H and Tony Khan, they'd invite him out. Uh, they, they would invite him out to several gatherings and games, and he'd invite them out to Jacksonville to watch a Jaguars game or whatnot. And they were very cordial and very friendly with one another. N- now that AEW is a thing and everything had happened with uh, Vince McMahon and NXT and all this other shit, you know, obviously Tony Khan is not going to be, you know, Mr. Nice Guy and friendly with Triple H and vice versa because of what had happened. But here we have Tony Khan saying, yeah, the relationship is strained and they didn't really treat me all that well the last time I had any interaction with them and it was kind of it was kind of eye-opening and jarring. So if Tony Khan is saying that in front of the general public, why would he allow Billy Gunn to go and do WWE when they, publicly he stated, have been giving him the short end of the stick and they treat him like shit? Why would he allow that to happen? I get it. Tony Khan should have let Billy Gunn go because at the end of the day, who the fuck is Billy Gunn? If Tony Khan is a wrestling fan, he's going to allow Billy Gunn to go and do the DX release, which was harmless at the end of the fucking day. They lasted four minutes at the end of Monday Night Raw. What the fuck did they do? All they did was their shitty catchphrases. Bro Dog did the fucking shtick that he usually does, and Billy Gunn would have said, if you're not down with that, I got two words for you. That's all it really resulted in. Billy Gunn would have been on Monday Night Raw with Road Dog making a fucking match between Dexter Loomis and The Miz. What would have been the big deal? Honestly, it wouldn't have resulted in much of anything. Tony Khan, I respect what his stance was, but at the end of the day, he made himself come off petty, and that's exactly what the relationship is going to be. On WWE side, it's going to be pettiness towards AEW. On Tony Khan's side, he's going to throw that pettiness right back at them. Listen, it is what it is. It's not going to get any better from this point on. The more competition that there is, the more pettiness you're going to see from both sides, and that's just the story between both AEW and WWE. AEW's Santana, who's out with injury right now. No real update on Santana. Eddie Kingston and Santana almost got into a physical backstage confrontation several months ago. Ortiz and Santana still not on good terms. Now, we haven't heard anything from Santana's camp as far as his injury is concerned. Probably going to be out the rest of the year, well into 2023. Eddie Kingston has taken a little bit of a backseat on AEW television as well. Conan, I don't really mention Conan and that camp over there on keeping it with 100 on the podcast there. But if Conan says something that makes sense, I'm going to report it here. He talked about Santana and Ortiz are now talking to each other. Or on if they are talking to each other, because there was rumors that Santana wants to go out on his own and Ortiz is going to have to be a solo now because Santana wants to go potentially leave AEW and go do things on his own and not be a tag team anymore. Conan says this, and I quote, it breaks my heart because I spent a lot of time with them and I've said before that they're like my sons. I heard it almost got physical with Santana and Eddie Kingston over this. It's not a good look, bro. I really hate seeing that these two guys who could have gone to WWE and really fucking blown up get separated. I can see Santana when his contract up leaving AEW. Ortiz is very chill and laid back. Santana is more of a hothead. Ortiz was like, hey, they ain't doing shit with us. And Santana's like, they ain't doing shit with us. And he's right. Ortiz is more like we're getting paid and we are getting taken care of. And he was comfortable in his role. And Santana wants more. So there was an additional note saying that these issues between Santana, Ortiz, and Kingston would have happened many months ago because Santana had been out with an injury. Now, I can see 
Santana wanting more. You know, they, they haven't done much with LA. LAX came into AEW, and they were one of the hottest tag teams on the wrestling circuit. They blew up in impact with their feud with the Lucha Brothers, and they were one of the top tag teams in the world. People were talking about them being underneath the Briscoes and the Usos, the top tag team in the world. Then that quickly went away. They were part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. They were part of, you know, Jericho's camp, and they were aligned with Jericho to help them get over even more so in the AEW eyes. But it never went anywhere. They always remained background players. And they never really amounted to being a tag team championship. They never even really vied for the tag team championships. They never hit those highs as they did in Impact. And it was a very depressing thing to see. To see Santana get reported, you know, with the injury and now this and news coming out that he wanted more, you can't really blame him. If someone is over about being a part of a tag team or over it about being a part of a tag team and he wants more and he realizes that, well, they, they haven't used us now and they're not going to use us, you know, moving forward. Why do I want to be here? So if Santana's already made up his mind that he wants to leave and he wants more for himself, you can't really fault him for that. How many more years does he have in the business? And he's a young guy, but this, is, this isn't a business where, you know, you're guaranteed tomorrows. You could have a career-ending injury tomorrow and your entire life is changed forever. He wants more. He wants to go out there and make himself into more. You can't blame him for that, and I fully support him on that. Yes, it does leave Ortiz in the dust. Yes, it leaves Ortiz to struggle for himself. But if Ortiz is, is content and comfortable in his role, then that's respectable, and that should be respected for Ortiz. If Santana wants more, you should show that same amount of respect towards Santana as well. I love both guys. I think they're great. I think they should be multi-time tag team champion. I think they should be what the Usos are in WWE to AEW, and they're not. So if he wants more... I respect Santana for wanting more. I'm going to support him and him wanting more. So we'll see what happens when he does get back healthy and ready to get back in there, where he goes, what happens to him, and how he's going to be treated upon return for AEW. I want to thank you guys for joining me right here on Off the Script for this Saturday, October 22nd, 2022. Today, sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code script 20 for 20% off and free shipping. So make sure you guys get ready for the Halloween season, man. I know Michael Myers sure is scary. So of those ratings for the new Halloween movie, which uh, I watched last year's, man, and I, you ain't getting me to watch that shit this year, man. Forget that. Michael Myers sure is scary. But the last thing you guys need is to be hairy this Halloween season. Luckily, our friends over at Manscaped are launching their fourth-generation performance package 4.0 to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized candies into a king-sized one and join the millions of men, six million to be exact, worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off the lawnmower 4.0 is the star of the package obviously you guys know about the lawnmower 4.0 ceramic blade advanced skin safe technology waterproof led light it's great also the weed whacker is included total game changer for your men's hygiene arsenal the weed whacker is an ear and nose hair trimmer same thing as the lawnmower 4.0 advanced skin safe technology to get into all those little holes so you guys can take that and get what you need out of it 
Also, the Crop Preserver Ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball toner to make sure your pumpkins stay fresh this Halloween season. The new Body Buffer, the 100% antibacterial body scrubber is just what you need to keep fresh and clean this Halloween season. They even threw in two free gifts. Also, the box of briefs and the shed travel bag included along as free gifts in the performance package 4.0. 20% off, guys. Free shipping, manscaped.com. Use that code at checkout. And I want to say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny this season with Manscaped. I want to thank them once again for supporting the podcast right here on Off the Script. Moving on with the rest of the AEW news, guys. This week, very big news for AEW as Chris Jericho re-signs with the company. Big contract extension for Chris Jericho that takes him into 2025. Variety reported this story about Chris Jericho earlier in the week, and Jericho stated, and I quote, in regards to his contract extension, I guess the simple answer is, why not? Things have been going so well in the company, and I really do feel that this is my company. It's tattooed on my heart, so to speak. I've been here since day one, and there's really no reason not to be here going forward. When AEW first started, I think basically it was Chris Jericho and a group of very talented people that might not have been as well known. And within three months, that all changed. And now within three years, we've got at least a dozen, maybe two dozen of our own homegrown stars that came into their own on AEW television. Side note, more than likely, most of them worked with Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho aided them and is responsible for getting them to where they are today on AEW television, which, I mean, is worth its weight in gold if you're AEW, to have someone like Chris Jericho do what he's done in the three years. Jericho has been with the promotion since it started in 2019. He defeated Claudio Castagnoli, to win the Ring of Honor World Championship for the first time at Dynamite Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium back in September in New York City. This comes after the recent announcement that John Moxley signed a new five-year deal to stay with AEW that takes him through 2027. AEW has since issued the following release press in regards to Chris Jericho. Tony Khan announced that Chris Jericho, the Ring of Honor World Champion and leader of the Jericho Appreciation Society has signed a contract extension through 2025 December, keeping sports entertainment alive and well in AEW for the foreseeable future. Jericho will also increase his responsibilities within AEW, serving as a producer and a creative advisor, in addition to continuing as a mentor to the young talent, which probably is the most important role that he's going to be serving uh, AEW and Tony Khan after he inevitably retires. Jericho, in his eighth world championship reign, continues to reinvent himself and evolve as his illustrious career enters its 32nd year. This year has been a career year for Jericho, who on top of capturing the Ring of Honor World Championship recently at Dynamite Grand Slam, has undergone an incredible physical transformation over the past few months and is in peak wrestling form. This is an unbelievable news piece for AEW. First John Moxley and then Chris Jericho. He has locked in two of his true top-tier talents, two true locker room leaders, and is going to maintain their presence there within the locker room for years to come in AEW, which is going to serve itself as invaluable. You cannot put a price on 
these two men and what they mean to AEW. Moxley has carried the company on his back through all of the year, through all the ups and downs, has been the solid one, the one guy that you can call on to be the ace and do what he needs to do to get the company back on track, right that ship. Jericho is the same way. I've said this for months. It's John Moxley, number one in AEW. He's the ace. He's the most important piece to this company, John Moxley. Right underneath that, and I don't want to take anything away from Chris Jericho at all by not putting him at number one, that they both serve AEW equally at this point. John Moxley and Chris Jericho are the number one and number two pieces of this company, and the reason why AEW is in the position that they are in right now after all the negative press that they have gotten because of All Out and CM Punk and the Elite and all this terrible locker room rumor and innuendo that has gone on in the IWC. Jericho continues to reinvent himself. Jericho has had a career year. I've said this word for word on my own show on Wednesdays with Jesse. He's had a career year in AEW. He continues to be the most captivating one of the most captivating entities on AEW television in all of pro wrestling. Even in all of pro wrestling, he continues to be one of the most captivating entities in all of the business. Continues to reinvent himself. Continues to put over young talent and mold new talent and be a part of the mix with the young talent while continuing to up his game as well. Obviously, Jericho's age is always going to come into question, but he's gotten himself into such incredible shape at his age right now that... It honestly has stepped up his game. If you thought Jericho was never going to get to where he is now, he proved everybody wrong. And it did take a health scare to get him into the peak physical condition that he's in now. And looking back at it, I mean, we all should be fucking absolutely over the moon thrilled about what Chris Jericho's brought to the table to AEW. He has been a solid go-to every single time he's out there. You cannot put a price on how important Chris Jericho is to AEW, man. Excellent, excellent signing by Tony Khan, and a smart one at that, to maintain that locker room presence. He knows he's going to need to rely on Chris Jericho, and not only with what he brings to television, he's going to serve as a producer, and I'm sure he's going to be able to do that just as good as anybody else. He knows exactly what the show needs, what the show doesn't need, how the show should be, and all the experience that he brings to the table to serve as a producer is going to be another aspect that Tony Khan is going to need out of somebody like Chris Jericho and a mentor to the young talent, a creative advisor as well. All these different hats Jericho is going to be wearing, that's exactly what Tony Khan needed to do. And the same thing goes for John Moxley as well. Both of these guys are going to be doing the same thing, serving the same roles. Absolutely brilliant move by Tony Khan to lock up both of those guys for AEW for years to come. AEW is set to film a new behind-the-scenes documentary series. This is great news as well as Warner Media wants more content out of AEW, and it serves as them being happy with how AEW is performing on Wednesday and Friday night. Fightful Select reported this week that AEW talent and staff were told this past week that the company is set to produce a documentary show that will focus on behind-the-scenes aspect of a group of pro wrestlers from within the company. AEW did give wrestlers the option to not be involved in the project. The plan is for filming to start on November 2nd at AEW Dynamite from the Chesapeake Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. It will last six weeks through the Dynamite show on December 14th at the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas, which I do believe is going to be their Winter is Coming show. AEW President Tony Khan will serve as the executive producer for the show, while Shed Media executive producer Sam Burns will assist. Warner Brothers Discovery and Shed Media are collaborating on the project. 
Uh, no air date is set, but sometime in 2023, it is set to air. AEW previously aired Road to the Top reality, or Roads to the Top, a reality series with Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes on TNT before they departed from the promotion earlier this year. It lasted one season and documented the lives of both Brandy and Cody Rhodes. This is excellent. I like this. Um, the one thing I've said in the past before is, I know they also trademarked All Elite Women. I don't know what that's going to entail, if that's going to be in a, a, a reality series like Total Divas or Total Bellas or AEW to maybe bring some mainstream notoriety to the ladies of AEW, or if it's going to be a, a whole separate show or pay-per-view. I, I don't know what that is going to be for AEW. Uh, I would rather it not be a show or their own program. I think that would be an awful decision. But as far as what they're doing here, I think a reality-based show based on the locker room happenings and behind-the-scenes happenings of AEW would be a great watch. I think what they do on the YouTube channel, especially the Road 2 series before a major show, Road to Cincinnati, I think they did, or Road to Grand Slam, Road to Full Gear, All Out, Double or Nothing, those are such great watches, and they're, they're so incredibly well shot. I would love to see more of that on television for AEW. I'd love to see some of that shit integrated into the actual programming. Not the full-fledged thing, but some of that. I love the way that they shoot those very cinematic shots and the vignettes and the sit-down pieces with several wrestlers. I think that shit adds a ton of value and a ton of great um, watchability to the show. So if they're going to do that as its own separate show, I'll be interested in seeing what they what they bring to the table. I'm, I'm always up for some behind-the-scenes you know, tidbits that we may not have realized when watching the show and some things that we won't really find out reading the dirt sheets and watching podcasts and all that type of stuff. I, I think that's great. So we will see what happens with that. And I'm excited sometime in 2023, uh, Warner Media is going to have a new AEW documentary series behind the scenes look at AEW. That should be pretty exciting. Tony Khan, he finally has been on record saying that we'll have great news about a weekly Ring of Honor TV show soon. Finally, finally, I can't wait for this to actually come to fruition. Tony Khan is teasing big Ring of Honor news coming out of AEW soon. Since buying the promotion this past March, Tony Khan has integrated Ring of Honor into weekly AEW programming on almost a weekly basis. I'm tired of it, to be quite honest. I think it sucks. Outside of Chris Jericho, I think it sucks. Just watch Rampage. Last night, man, not a good look. It's not a good look. The Ring of Honor titles are regularly defended on Dynamite and Rampage. One thing that people are complaining about is that everybody has a fucking title. Everybody has a title. You're mixing Ring of Honor titles on top of all the AEW titles, and then you got FTR, who's holding Mexican titles, and all these other fucking titles. It's, it's too much. It's too much. It gets a little bit overbearing when watching the show. You want to disconnect and just say, I want AEW, I want to watch AEW. I want Ring of Honor, I want to watch Ring of Honor. I don't want to watch a mashup of the two fucking companies. It's not what really, you know, brought AEW to the dance, and I do think it's turning off more people on a weekly basis. And Rampage, you might as well just call it Ring of Honor Rampage or Rampage of Honor, because that's exactly what it's become. It's become less of an AEW show, less of a B show to Dynamite. It's become more of a fucking mid-card house show for Ring of Honor. Nobody wants that. And one of the reasons why Rampage is fucking an awful watch on a weekly basis. So, right now, 
Ring of Honor titles are regularly defended on Dynamite and Rampage. AEW title has also been used on Ring of Honor pay-per-views under Tony Khan's regime like Wheeler Yuta and FTR and Claudio Castagnoli and Jericho's going to be defending the Ring of Honor title at Final Battle, which was announced. I'll get into that in a second. So far, Tony Khan has run two Ring of Honor pay-per-views since acquiring the company and hopes to have one more, which was announced for December. Ring of Honor Final Battle is announced for December. Now, while speaking with Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated, Tony Khan says he hopes to bring Ring of Honor to weekly television in 2023. He says, and I quote, we'll have great news soon about Ring of Honor weekly shows. The success of Death Before Dishonor on pay-per-view has ensured there will be more Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Our goal is to have one more great pay-per-view for Ring of Honor in 2022 and then follow that up with a weekly show in 2023. Thank the fucking gods. Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor was held in January and did over 36,000 buys on pay-per-view. The third and final Ring of Honor pay-per-view this year is going to be Final Battle, held in December. This was the final pay-per-view event last December old, under the old regime before they sold the company to Tony Khan. Now, Final Battle is actually scheduled to take place the same nights as NXT holding their next premium live event in December. Of course. Of course, it's going to be that way. We got Final Battle happening in the afternoon and then NXT happening that very same day in the evening. And that goes to show you it's tit for tat. NXT and WWE are going to continue announcing things like this when Tony Khan announced Final Battle on Tuesday. Then they came out and the news came out that NXT is going to have their next premium live event. We're not even done with Halloween Havoc yet. They already came out and announced, oh, yeah, Ring of Honor announced Final Battle. Yeah, we might as well announce our next premium live event, even though we haven't gotten done with our, our next one in Halloween Havoc. The tit for tat is going to continue. They're going to continue pushing the buttons of Tony Khan. The pettiness will continue back and forth between WWE and Tony Khan, like I mentioned before about the Billy Gunn situation. So Tony Khan, I'm sure, will be at the scrum, and he will let his feelings be felt about what he thought about NXT running the same fucking night as Ring of Honor. Because the last time it happened, when they did NXT Worlds Collide, and then they did fucking Clash of the Castle that weekend, right? We had that 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 weekend was filled with wrestling. Clash of the Castle, all out. Uh, Worlds Collide. Tony Khan was very adamant at the post-show scrum after CM Punk had already gotten into a fight backstage. He was very adamant about, yes, it took away from our business. It did affect us. And the overall numbers for the show were down compared to last year because of what they did. They're going to do what they do. It's WWE. They don't play well with others. So we, we, we know that. We, we know how, that's the, how, the, how they operate. And Triple H is out for blood. So Tony Khan should expect no less. If Triple H is showing you that he's out for blood, Tony Khan should play the game right back and be out for blood himself. But Ring of Honor, it needs to be its own fucking promotion. I am so sick and tired of seeing a television title, tag team titles, the Ring of Honor world title, fucking Tony Nese and the, the varsity athletes and the trust busters and fucking Sonny Kiss and all this other shit that doesn't need to be on the show. It needs its own show. I would gladly review the show every fucking week if it was its own entity. I want them to have their own rosters. I want them to have their own show, their own storylines. I want it to be separate from AEW. I really do. Because I honestly think it's taking some of the appeal and some of the luster away from AEW. And I know Tony Khan is trying to multi-fucking-jug all these different aspects about Ring of Honor and AEW, and he's 
a one-man show here. And I, and I get he wants to get people in the know about what Ring of Honor is, who is wrestling for Ring of Honor, what Ring of Honor is all about, what their champions are, who their champions are, and all this other shit. I get he wants to use his platform on AEW to bolster Ring of Honor and get Ring of Honor television where it needs to be for an eventual deal. But at the same time, it's also hurting Dynamite. It's also taking away from Dynamite. It's also hurting the, the credibility and the quality of Dynamite. Some people might say, no, not really. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because on top of all the championships that AEW has, you got to add the Ring of Honor championships. Everybody has a fucking championship. It's like a charity case show on Wednesday nights with all the championships that you see trot out from behind the curtain. We don't need it. I don't give a shit about the Trustbusters. I don't give a shit about fucking Tony Nese or, or Josh Woods. I, I, I don't care. I don't. So please, get it its own show and get it the fuck its own night. Because I'm tired of seeing Ring of Honor step all over Dynamite when all I want on a Wednesday night is fucking AEW. Seriously. I mean, for Christ's sake, we got Wardlow teaming with Samoa Joe. Yes, in retrospect, it's a good pairing. But I don't want Wardlow mixing it up with fucking, you know, uh, Toa Leona and Brian Cage every fucking week. I, I don't, Prince Nana. Give me a break with this shit. Wardlow should be a face of the company defending the TNT title against AEW talent, not fucking secondhand rate fucking guys on Ring of Honor. Come on. Moving on with AEW, man. The women's division. We've got some women's division notes here. Tony Storm shares her thoughts on the AEW women's division after coming over from WWE. She said this with Bleacher Report, and Tony Storm says this on her time in AEW so far and what she really thinks about Jade Cargill, Britt Baker, and the rest of the AEW women's division. She says, and I quote, so I'm just really having an awesome time. As stressful as it is being champion, you know, high expectations of me. It's a lot of pressure, but I just love being a part of the locker room. They have such a great locker room full of wonderful, hardworking people now, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I found a family within AEW. That's good. That's good. I'm glad she says that and feels that after all the uh, speculation coming out of the AEW women's locker room with Thunder Rose and the injury and all the backstage drama that had happened with her. I'm glad she feels that way because she got treated like shit on the main roster in WWE. Then she specifically mentioned several other women in the AEW women's division who have been very impressive to Tony Storm. She says this, and I quote, Sky Blue has always stood out to me. I think she's one who will be a big star. I mean, she already is. Not really. Not really. But eventually, she will become a huge star in the wrestling industry. There are many others as well, like Chris Statlander. I was always impressed with her since the beginning. Anna Jay. Just such a great locker room. I'm just so glad I get to be a part of it now. She mentioned Jade Cargill. I'm so impressed with Jade Cargill. She just kind of didn't come from a wrestling background. I always find that to be interesting. I came from a background where I started when I was a kid. It's been my life, always. She's kind of come into it the past few years, and she just is incredible. You know, she's just one of those people who will pick it up so fast, and she looks like an action figure, for Christ's sakes. It's not surprising that she's a champion in AEW, and for as long as she has, end quote. So nothing but positive things from the interim AEW Women's Champion. She makes it seem like such a beautiful fucking environment in the AEW Women's Locker Room. The opposite of what we heard about Thunder Rosa when she was there and all the drama coming out of the locker room. I don't know. I don't know. How's it going to be when Thunder Rosa gets back to television? Because 
Right now, it's all sunshine and rainbows. When Thunder Rosa gets back with the comments that Thunder Rosa has kind of been on record saying in regards to what's, you know, the rumors have stated and all the negativity surrounding Thunder Rosa, she was actually on Busted Open Radio where she frequently appears weekly. And she said this, and I really wanted to address this and it's come to my attention, not from necessarily people that work in the place that I work, but some veterans have informed me that there is this widespread lie or lies going on in different parts, and I'm part of these rumors or whatever. And when I read these comments about the interim championship, they came to me as no surprise. I had the great chance to work in many different companies where they believe in my work, and sometimes it just takes one privileged person or someone with clout to tweet and destroy everything you've done. <laughs> Excuse me. My allergies have been killing me since I got back from Ireland. Um, one tweet to destroy everything you've done. And again, it influences how fans see and perceive you as a wrestler. And at this time, I remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how one of my coworkers had to come out and do a live feed which I was ready to do a live feed on Wednesday, but I wanted to use Busted Open instead. And I wanted to say that it is important for you guys, if you don't hear it from me, just don't say anything. She goes on to say that if she is the center of problems and it's not coming from her, shut the fuck up, don't mention my name. And as a matter of fact, in a week or two, I'm getting another epidural on my, for my back so I can go on and get back to training because I want to get back in the ring. I want to get back in the ring, and that is it. And I want to show you when they put the needle in my back so they can shut the fuck up, she says, and stop saying that I'm not hurt because people are out there saying she's not hurt. That because, that's because you know I'm trying to get out and trying to mentally get prepared to get back in the ring, to get back to what I do and love to do most, which is professional wrestling. Just keep my name out of your mouth and shut the fuck up, she says. If you have a problem with me, you know I'm transparent. What you see is what you get. That is the truth, end quote. You know, that's not going to really make for a hard... The Tony Storm makes it sound like it's all fucking beautiful and everybody loves each other and everybody's like, you know, best friends. Thunder Rose is on Busted Open Radio pretty much saying, if you're talking about me and spreading lies about me and not coming to me for the information... Shut the fuck up and leave my name out of your mouth. This is going to be very interesting when Thunder Rosa gets back to the AW locker room. It really is going to be a, to me, another blow up if they don't dumb this shit down. And it may actually lead to Thunder Rosa dropping the title legitimately to Tony Storm and having Tony Storm run the division. She's done great, even though I think it could be better. You know, I feel like they're giving her a tag team partner every fucking, she got a round of tag team partners every fucking week, it seems like. But Tony Storm presents Tony Khan exactly what he needs for a, a woman champion in that division. She's got the looks. She's got the in-ring ability. She's got the, the I would say, the popularity with the fan base, respected by the fan base. I don't know why you would want to give up on that. She's done a great job filling in for Thunder Rosa until Thunder Rosa gets back. I don't know if Thunder Rosa is going to get back and things are going to pick up right where they were left off, especially not with comments like that. So we will see what happens. It's going to be very, very, very interesting and on AEW and how Tony Khan treats Thunder Rosa when she gets back. And if this next story is any indication about Thunder Rosa's status in the company, I don't know, man. 
Like I said before, when this whole Britt Baker Thunder Rosa story got out of hand a couple of months ago, I honestly believe Tony Khan is driving Thunder Rosa out of the company. She may be a part of the locker room mentality that he wants to get rid of. And I do think that at some point he's going to end up driving her out of the company and basically right into the arms of Triple H. And Triple H is going to actively pursue her and bring her on in without any hesitation. And she will not hesitate to jump at that fact as well. And if that happens, I mean, things are going to have to really kind of be set straight with Thunder Rosa. She can't be saying what she says on Busted Open going back to the WWE locker room. So we will see what happens. But Thunder Rosa's friends are no longer being booked by AEW. Meltzer noted this on The Observer, and it was said to him that a lot of the extras used by AEW that were close to Thunder Rosa have not been booked as of late. Those names would include Kylan King, who a lot of people were very high on, Maddie Renkowski and Jasmine Allure. No word on why the decision was made not to use them. I don't know. Does it have something to do with how they feel about Thunder Rosa? So by that, they're not going to bring in who she knows or who she's trained or who she's friends with? I don't know. Maybe a way to get back at Thunder Rosa as a slight punishment to her. Rosa is the AEW Women's World Champion out with a back injury. Tony Storm recently said to Bleacher Report, I guess my first thing would to be would be to beat Thunder Rosa and stop this interim nonsense. That's kind of what it's been to me, and it's been bothering me. I think that's been bothering a lot of people because she's still calling herself the AW Women's World Champion, and I'm the one here every week doing the work. I hope this is for storyline purposes because this will be legitimately the first real storyline that we've gotten in a very long time for the women for the World Championship. Again, it's not confirmed that Rosa's friends aren't being used because of issues with Thunder Rosa. I, I want to make sure you guys are aware of that. But the timing of it is just very bizarre, if you ask me. This all comes after several, including Conan, that have expressed skepticism about the severity of Rosa's back injury, where she went on Busted Open Radio and says, listen, I'll film the whole fucking process about needles being put in my back if it's going to get people to keep my fucking name out of their mouths and for them to shut the fuck up. Very interesting situation. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, she's back before the end of the year. And finally, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this round of AEW news. Tomorrow, we'll, we'll tackle the WWE news and rumors. More AEW women's division news. Man, Willow Nightingale is now all elites. AEW officially revealed on Rampage that Willow had signed a full-time deal with the company on the October 21st episode of AEW Rampage, Fightful had learned that recently Willow had signed with the company in some capacity, but hadn't confirmed if it was a tiered or full-time hire, but had it confirmed when she gained merch on the AEW shop. Willow finished up with MLW, and when that happened, they were under the impression that it was to sign full-time with another company. Fightful had also been told at, that as of this summer, indie promotions didn't seem to have a clear understanding of her bookings with AEW directly. They had to, you know, go through AEW, but a lot of people weren't really in the know about what was going on with Willow. So when she was working the independent scene, they had to go through AEW to get clearance to have her work independent shows. Willow's signing also led Fightful to ask about the status of numerous other talent in the company. We also had to confirm that there are several talent on full-time deals that haven't received the all-elite graphic which is seemingly customary to AEW and Tony Khan on social media. Aria Davari is one that we heard of this summer that had been brought in full-time that is yet to be announced by AEW in the All 
elite manner. I'm assuming that they're saving Ari Davari for Ring of Honor. That's my guess there, but I would have said the same thing about Willow Nightingale, but Willow has appeared more on AEW television than anything else. And I do think that if you got somebody like that in your grasp and it could benefit the women's division that you use her now on AEW Dynamite. This is good news. I mean, I'm not jumping over the moon for this news, but it's good news because in a division that needs hands and people that can get the job done, it's a great deal for AEW to sign Willow Nightingale. They need solid, especially with the injuries to Ruby Soho and to Chris Statlander. This is a big signing for them. It's not going to be a transcending sign. It's going to be a game-changing signing. But the more comparable talent that you got in that division, that could be on TV and get the job done and are over. Willow is over. Willow is over because she's genuine. What you see on TV is what you're going to get in real life. This is what I've heard from people that actually know her personally. She is what she is on television, and that is infectious. That is relatable to the audience. So signing her and bringing her in as a full-time performer for the AW Women's Division, and she is very good at what she does and is over with the crowd, this is a no-brainer for Tony Khan and AEW, and it's only going to strengthen the division when you got talent like Willow there and Soraya is there, Tony Storm and Britt Baker. I mean, Jamie Hayter is as over as anybody in the division. Jade Cargill hopefully will get caught up to speed. Nyla Rose is seemingly gaining some popularity with what she's doing with Jade Cargill now. And then when Statlander comes back and Soho comes back and Thunder Rose comes back, it's going to be a great division. This is why I, I don't understand when people say AEW's got a terrible women's division. No, they don't. They got probably a better women's division than WWE. If you look at the names on paper and compare them to WWE, it's all in the creative. They haven't been really treated, been treated creatively the way that they need. And if they get that right, I mean, the world is in the palm of their hands. They could have the best women's division in all of North America. It just needs to be booked creatively the right way. They have the talent. Uh, involved in the women's division to get the job done. Guys, that is all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, episode 448, doing things a little bit differently this week, getting you caught up on all the news. I wanted to really just focus on one and then tomorrow focus on the other. We got the AEW stuff out of the way. I hope you enjoyed it. And tonight I will be live after NXT Halloween Havoc with the post show right here on Off The Script. So make sure you guys check that out a little bit later if you enjoyed this podcast man make sure you hit that thumbs up leave me a comment down below let me know what you think of all the top stories coming out of aew this week and like i said man make sure you guys hit that thumbs up i need a thousand likes minimum it helps me out on the podcast and puts the podcast into the recommended section on youtube guys i'll see you live tonight for halloween havoc join me then it should be a good show We'll talk about everything coming out of tonight's show from the WWE Performance Center, and I'll keep you up to date on everything that goes on WWE-related tomorrow with more news and rumors on Off The Script. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Saturdays, and I'll see you tonight for Halloween Havoc.